You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. The World Series ended on Saturday night. That means the clock for the offseason has begun five days after that. All the options have to be worked out. Uh, We have a couple of dates that are coming up very quickly here that's important for the White Sox. The non-tender deadline is November the 18th. And then also we have the Rule 5 draft on the 7th of December. And there's a lot of decisions that have to be made between now and then. Scott Merkin from MLB.com, who's been covering the White Sox for years and years and years, is going to be on this program. We love what he's on, so we're going to talk about what he's hearing behind the scenes, conversations he's had with coaches and Rick Hahn, and you know what they might be doing here over the next couple of weeks. So we're going to get into that. And it's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. It is important to keep your basement dry and protect your foundation, and you can give them a call 24-7-365 at 708-330-4466. Mention Sacks in the Basement. Get an additional discount. Your basement's best defense is at FamilyDry.com. You bought a video game and you're excited about it. Yeah, well, sort of. I, I, so it's it's this game. It's called Out of the Park Baseball. It's a, it's a simulator. It's not like uh, not like MLB The Show or something like that where you're actually controlling the, the gameplay. You're more taking over Rick Hahn's job. And then actually in this situation, I take over as general manager. Rick Hahn is reduced to the assistant GM. And every time I go to make a trade, you see assistant GM Rick Hahn says, seems like a decent deal. I think it'd help out our team. Or full stop, don't do it. And what I found to be the most realistic was Jerry Reinsdorf constantly cutting your budget <laughs> and wanting to re-sign players that nobody in their right mind would want to re-sign. He, he gets mad at me every permutation I start this because I either don't re-sign Yasmani Grandal to a six-year deal or Jose Abreu to a six-year deal. And it's always for like $28 million per year. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I can't even fit it within the budget Jerry gave me. He's like, well, I'm disappointed you couldn't get that done. Fan did no, you know, fan uh, fans have have decreased their interest in the team notably because I couldn't get it done. Well, I think there's going to be fans that are going to be upset if they don't end up picking up a Abreu. Although I think this is kind of a a done deal. I mean, unless he comes back for some ridiculous pay cut, he's not he's not walking back in that door. You're moving on from him. If if you look at this team right now and you look at this off season in this next couple of weeks, what what is on your list of things that you expect to happen, should happen, whether it be a tender, a non-tender, a a trade, a pursuit of somebody? Like, is there something right now that's on the top of your wish list or at least something you're expecting early on in the offseason with the White Sox? You look at this team right now and you sit there and go, God, I don't even know where to start, right? The rotation underperformed beyond Dylan Cease. Do you look at Michael Kopech as somebody that can't stay healthy and maybe you got to move on from him because he's Good when he's there, but he's frequently not there. Do you look at uh, trying to maximize something out of Lucas Giolito before he becomes really expensive, especially if he's going to continue to regress? Can you move on from Lucas Giolito in a a trade situation? What do you do about third base? Do you just live with Yohan Moncada and hope that he gets better? Or do you have to find a solution there? Second base is still kind of empty. You know, do you believe in Yolbert Sanchez or Romy Gonzalez? I frankly feel like there's a really good chance that instead of trying to make big moves to make this team better, 
that you will see Rick Hahn attempt to sell us on a bunch of smaller moves that will either build up depth or competition at some of these places, or more likely are going to be, this is a veteran who used to be good once upon a time that we think can recapture the spirit, you know, or, or can help us because of their veteran presence and taking an old team and making it older. And that's unfortunately what I think is going to happen as opposed to taking this team to uh, a younger place or a, a hungrier place that I think they should be. Oh, great. So just more of the same. Yep. Well, then we might as well get to our guest today on Sacks in the Basement. Every guest brought to you by the Village of Lamont want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure. Visit the Village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, explore, and see everything they have going on each and every week at lamontdowntown.com. The offseason has officially begun. Who better to have in here than Scott Merkin from MLB.com? How are you, Scott? Good, Chris. And we have to share that, you know, before we started the taping, we had a long talk about college football and agreed it would be best for the game, but Michigan goes unbeaten in that Ohio State game. So. I think that's ridiculous because, uh, you know, Illinois, <laughs> you, you never know. You know, they upstart Illini. I, I, look, I don't even understand how they're doing what they're doing right now. So I wouldn't worry too much about them. Everything here seems like some sort of fever dream uh, for Illini Nation. I, I'm pretty sure you guys are a much better team when when you both get on the field with each other. And I think it also helps that Michigan is at home in that game. It doesn't help that they're on the road in Columbus. But it does help that they're at home against you. They're a pretty good home, as are most Big Ten teams or you know, better home teams than road teams, obviously. Scott Merkin is just zeroed in on what's going on in, in college football. <laughs> are, you, are you ready to start covering <laughs> offseason baseball, though? Because the clock has started now. The White Sox making it official on Monday. Tim Anderson's $12.5 million option has been picked up. Josh Harrison's has not been picked up. A.J. Pollock has a player option for $13 million, the White Sox can then buy that out if he picks it up at $5 million. Have you heard anything about what AJ's going to do? Well, AJ's is his decision, right, to start with. So I think, but that also could be something that could be talked about, you know, within with him and the team. I, I think he'll be back. So, I mean, Harrison was a great guy to have in that clubhouse. You know, you ask anyone in there, and, you know, he played very well the last, what, probably two-thirds of the season for them and, and made some really nice plays defensively, too. I do think, though, that if they're going to get more left-handed, that might be a spot where they do it. You know, I, I, obviously, they have they have uh, one of the outfield spots they can do it through, or maybe both. Maybe they use Pollock and a left-handed bat as sort of a combination out there in left field. Tim was a no-brainer, obviously. You want Tim back. Tim, you know, I think part of the, the struggles for the Sox last year was they missed Tim's energy. As much as, uh, you know, Abreu was kind of the leader and kind of, the I guess, the heart of the team, Tim was kind of the driving force. You know, Tim is always the energy and he's the one who gets that team going. And let's face it, he was gone for, you know, since the Texas series, right? He, he hurt his fingers. So that's the beginning of August. So that was basically the last two months, the last nine weeks of the season, he wasn't there. And that's a big absence for the Sox. That's a big absence, not just for his ability, but for what he means just for the team overall. So that, that was an easy decision to make. So we'll see, you know, I mean, you know, they have a lot of money on the books this year, so we'll see how they operate with that. But again, as, as great as Josh Harrison was overall for the team as solid as he was overall. I don't know if I'd say great 100%, but really good for that team overall. I do think that they'll probably look to go more left-handed at second base. What are the chances the White Sox do something drastic with their roster? That Rick Hahn looks at it and says, okay, now I've got to shake some things up. I mean, let's, let's just talk about TA. Now, me, I think Tim Anderson's a great shortstop. I think he's going to contribute uh, a lot to this team's success in 2023. I also see $12.5 million as his price tag. And for his talent, 
that that may be a bargain compared to some of the big time free agent shortstops that are out there. And one of those guys would be a massive impact on this team. Is there any chance that the White Sox pursue uh, one of the big name shortstops that are out there? I'll throw out like a Correa or a Dansby Swanson or something like that and either ask one of them or T.A. to move the second or actually move uh, Anderson's contract to go get the big impact player, shake things up like crazy, have to change all their marketing because they really put everything around T.A., but start to fix a hole by spending money actually at a position we don't expect because of the value of Anderson's contract. You can tell, Scott, we haven't had much to talk about the last couple of weeks, so this is something (laughs) we've discussed here. Tell me I'm crazy or, or tell me whether or not there's like a slight chance of something crazy like that happening. Well, I think, first of all, for most of those, I think for all of those, you know, high-end shortstops around the free agent market, they're going to have plenty of interest. I mean, plenty of really high-money interest of them playing shortstop. So I don't think they're going to go anywhere, barring something completely surprising, where they're going to play second base. And I think Tim is the team shortstop. You know, I asked Rick about this at the uh, Pedro Grifol press conference last Thursday, and it did not sound like from his answer that they were looking to make wholesale changes, you know? They could move someone in there. You never know with the White Sox. I don't think they're going to go after any of the big shortstops. I do think they could go after someone, as someone pointed out to me the other day, they could go after someone who plays shortstop to play second because of the fact with the new shift rules in there, you're going to need a really good defensive player at second base too and cover a lot of ground. And I think that's possible, but I don't think it'll be a Bogarts or a Trey Turner or a Carlos Correa who are going to get plenty of interest. I mean, a, a large amount of interest just playing shortstop. So, I, it doesn't say, you know, it's interesting because I, I think the guys, they're, they're a super talented team. I, I've had other people from other organizations tell me how talented the White Sox are. It just didn't work last year for whatever reason, whether it was injuries, underperformance, not a good fit as a team overall, whatever the situation was. You know, maybe whereas Tony fit in 2021, he did not fit in 2022. So whatever the reason, it just didn't work for the White Sox. I, I think they're pretty satisfied with what they, not satisfied, they like the nucleus they have. That doesn't mean they won't make changes, but I think they're going to kind of supplement around it. And maybe, you know, maybe they go big in the outfield. Maybe they go after like a Brandon Nimmo, who, you know, appears to be one of the main left-handed bat targets on the outfield free agent market. But again, they have a lot of money committed. They, they're good in the start. They have four guys set in the starting rotation. But I just, I don't see right now, maybe we'll be talking in a month and or two months saying, wow, that was completely unexpected. It's not completely, but somewhat unexpected but I don't see them making wholesale changes to this team. What are the chances that Rick Hahn looks at right field and his entire outfield situation and says, well, look at the meteoric rise in the minor leagues of Oscar Colas, and maybe that's my solution in right, and I'm going to go spend my dollars in free agency on pitching. There's a couple of names out there that are free agents that the White Sox in past years have targeted or at least been linked to that they might want to trade for. Now they can go out and try to sign one of those guys. Is that a direction they could head in? Yeah, I mean, you can never have enough elite pitching, and Rick has said that. Rick has said just pitching, period, a number of times. I mean, right now you have, you know, Dylan Cease, who I I imagine on the award show, you know, the BWAA award show will be named. I'm not imagine. I'm almost certain. I don't have any information, but I think if you just look at the numbers, he's going to be one of the finalists, right, for Cy Young. It's going to be... Verlander, Cease, and whoever gets the third vote, Valdez, Otani, um, and Noah, one of those guys will be third. And then you have Kopech, who had a nice first year that was hampered a little at the end by the, and hampered a bit, more than a little, by the, the knee injury. He'll be healthy going to next year with all this experience from this year. You know, Lynn pitched very well after he kind of got his legs under him, literally, after the injury. And then you have Giolito, who, by his own admission, you know, five, six times, not much more you can say about it, did not have a great 
2021, but I'm sorry, 2022, you're fine, 2021. But you know that guy is already probably, I, I know Lucas, and he's not only a good pitcher and a hard worker, but he's a student of the game, and he's already probably breaking stuff down as to how to, where he can improve. And I'm sure he was doing it at the end of last year, too. You know, I mean, even, yeah, I talked to him on a Sunday afternoon later in the season, and it was, it wasn't like near the end, but it was kind of the last month. And even then, he talked about, well, you know, the stats are kind of out the window. I'm just trying to be there and compete for the team and do what I can every every start. So you got four good starters. You have guys like Jared Crochet coming back who probably will be more the old Kopech role of kind of the hybrid starter reliever coming off the, you know, the missed season of injury. I've heard talk that, you know, Lopez could go back in rotation. Jimmy Lambert could be a rotation guy. Davis Martin acquitted himself very nicely last year. But it would be something if you went out and added a kind of frontline starter, right? I mean, that would really lay it down right there. And you saw what Houston did with, you know, some great starters and then an equally great bullpen to finish it off. So, yeah, that's a possibility. The question for me is, is Colas a guy or Colas a guy they think can start from the beginning of the year? Will he be in that opening day lineup in Houston on March 30th? Or do they need a guy? Yeah, I know the name that goes around with a lot of fancies, the left-handed bat is like Tyler Naquin. Would you need a guy who can take that spot and still contribute even when Colas comes up? So I don't know where their line of thinking is. We didn't get a chance to ask Rick about that Thursday. I'm sure he'll be asked at the GM meetings this week. I'll be asking him, you know, if it hasn't been decided yet in the winter meetings in San Diego and see where he, you know, believes Colas falls. You know, Chris Getz spoke very highly of him. We talked to him at the end of the year. And I, I think he's, you know, he, he deserves a chance. He's earned a chance, not deserves a chance. He earned a chance. So we'll see where he goes from there. So, I, yeah, I think, you know, they need to get more left-handed in that lineup, but not just left-handed, not just put a left, like quality left-handed at bats in there. They need to be better defensively and fun, fundamentally. Those are two things for this team overall. Scott Merkin from MLB.com with us right now on Sox in the Basement. We're always lucky to have him on. White Sox have to decide if they got to make any changes. You may need to make changes in your household or mom and dad's or grandma and grandpa's. Maybe it's time to switch to a new age of life. Assisted living does not need to be the only answer. Hyatt Home Medical Equipment right here on the south side can turn the home into a smart home, retrofit the bathtub, reduce fall risk throughout the house, have lifts to bring them from the first level to the second level. The latest in CPAP technology, diabetes control, spare oxygen tanks. If you need it, they have it at Hyatt. They've got a knowledgeable staff. They're here for you to come in and see and talk to and ask questions. They work with your insurance to keep the cost low, and they take additional money off if you mention socks in the basement. See everything that they do at HHME.com or stop in and see them today, 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. So you mentioned you had a conversation with Lucas Giolito, and that uh, that's an interesting case right there. I look at arbitration guesses, you know, when they put out what they think a guy's going to end up pulling in arbitration, and he's... He's around 10 million or more is what they think he'll get even after having the down year. And this is his last year. And Lucas has said it before. He's talked about building his own value. He's always sounded to me like a guy who's going to go out on the open market. This is his last year that the, that the Sox have control of him before his free agent year. How does the team view him and how does he view his last year of total control within the Sox before he gets to go to free agency? Yeah, I think the team obviously has a high opinion of him, but I think Lucas, you know, understand that free agency is just that you've earned that right to kind of test the market and build your value. And I think I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but I, I want to say his last start or one of his last starts, we were talking to him about a Brayu and he said something along the lines and then kind of laughed about maybe we'll play one more year together, you know, if, if he comes back next year. So I, I think Lucas right now is approaching it that he's part of the White Sox. 
He's part of the White Sox 100% for 2023 unless they trade him. They're not going to non-tender Lucas, obviously. So unless they kind of move him. And then, you know, from there, he'll see what happens. You know, I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to take a hometown discount. I think he wants what's fair. I talked to Cease about that. Now, Cease is just starting his arbitration process, obviously, right? But, you know, he talked about he would listen to a long-term deal, but he wants what's fair as well. So I don't think any of these guys are taking any kind of discounts because they love the White Sox. They want their value, and they've earned what, you know, they've earned the, the right to have that kind of desire. So we'll see what happens. I think right now Lucas is just focused on 2023, you know, better performance, working deeper into games, and go from there and see what happens after that. What are you hearing about Pedro Grafol's staff? Are there any names floating out there that you find intriguing? Are they keeping this one close to the vest? I think everybody's just kind of curious. How's it going to fill out in the end? They, they've, uh, they're keeping it pretty close to the vest. I've heard the name, I think it's Mike Tozar, who worked with him in Kansas City, and they're very close as possible for some role as, a, as either, you know, I guess, either hitting or assistant hitting coach, but nothing official there. And yeah, I mean, he's got what about, he's got what hitting. And if you have an assistant, assistant hitting coach too, first base, third base coach, um, you know, probably like a quality control guy, sort of like along the lines of what Shelly Duncan did. So there's some jobs to be filled out, but you know, they do have Ethan Cass and Kurt Hassler back, which is a great move by the Sox. Both did a great job of the pitching staff and not saying the guys who aren't backed into a great job, but it makes sense to have those guys back. And even Pedro talked about that, about how, you know, how, how big it is to have already kind of a liaison to the pitchers that can help you kind of build that relationship even before he steps foot in the dugout or steps foot in the clubhouse. And then of course, Charlie Montoya is going to be the bench coach. So I think we'll hear sooner than later him fill out the staff and maybe, maybe it'll be all at once. I don't know if it'll be kind of in, you know, piecemeal form, but I think they want to get it together so they can, I would be surprised if it's not done, you know, maybe before Thanksgiving, for sure before the winter meetings, which is December, starts December 4th. All right. So you talk with Rick Hahn a lot. I, I can tell that you get conversations with him. You talk with him at the end of the year. You got your newsletter that you put out. You've had a, a couple of interviews with him. Uh, and so you got you got a feel for how he viewed the team. So does he see this as it was manager and injuries, but my my roster was good? Or does he see things that he needs to fix in his roster? Because, I mean, we, we see the excitement that he has over Pedro Grafol, but is he excited because now he's like, okay, I got my manager, and I and as long as everybody stays healthy, we could just pretty much roll out there with what we did last year and everything's going to be better. From a broader perspective, I don't think anyone was happy with last year, right? From Jerry Reinsdorf to Kenny Williams to Rick Hunt. Actually, I don't have to say I don't have to think. I know from talking to them they were not happy. It was a very disappointing year. I mean, they this was the third year of their, you know, the window being open after the rebuild. The first year was obviously a little messy because of the, um, you know, the, the pandemic 2021, they, you know, still was part of the pandemic going on, but it was a little better. And they won 93 lost to a better team in the ALDS 2022. Again, I'm not making excuses. These are just facts. There was a lockout right last year that they kind of hampered spring training a little bit and maybe slowed some guys down. Tony's gone now, you know, and Tony, I'm glad he's healthy. That's the most important thing. That's much more important than anything baseball wise. I don't think it worked last year. And I think one of the things with Grafol is that it'll be more of a collaborative effort overall. And I don't think it means that, you know, uh, Grafol is not going to challenge the front office if they say something he doesn't agree with. There's a guy who's been in baseball for a long, long time, even though it's his first managerial opportunity at the big league level. So I think, you know, they like that fact. But I think Rick has analyzed up, down, and sideways along with Kenny Williams and Jerry and Jeremy Haber and Chris Getz and Daniel Zine and the whole crew in the front office, Jim Tomey. 
you know, what went wrong and what needs to improve. You know, they had, I, I, he answered this at the, when I asked him at the press conference too, you know, they had underperformance. Yasmani Grandal had a very bad year last year, right? I mean, the numbers show that. We talked to him in San Diego. I talked to him. To, I mean, I know this guy's work schedule, so I know the work. I, I did a story on him earlier in the year about, you know, what he does to prepare before and after a game. And the guy's a tireless worker. You know, he has a, a very strict schedule. and goes after. It just did not manifest in results last year. Granted, he dealt with injuries. He dealt with the offseason knee surgery that he didn't get to kind of fully work with the team on because of the, the lockout. So, you know, they have to figure out, was that all part of it? Or was the underperformance a sign of things maybe going sideways for a very talented player who, for the first time in eight years, didn't play in the playoffs this year? Same with Moncada. You know, same with Giolito. Grandal talked to us in San Diego for about 10, 10 11 minutes, I think, the first, before the first game of that last road series. Sounded very confident about, you know, he already knew what he had to do this offseason. He already knew what he was going to do with his trainer. He already knew the work he was going to put in. He even joked with us that, hey, if we want to, he's going to be in Chicago, we want to come watch his workout, he'll show us what he's going to do. So he sounded very confident that without an offseason just to rehab like he had last year after the surgery, that he'll be you know better off and in a better way coming into this year. And it's also his last year of his contract, so it's important if he wants to play, period, after this year, let alone just with the White Sox. So that's what Rick and the front office have to kind of decide is when you look at the roster, you see a lot of talent. They have to figure out if it's underperformance, if it's injury-related offseason, and go from there whether you're going to make it. I will say this. I, I think Grandal is, is, a, is a good player to have on the roster, but this may be his last year, even if he goes out and hits 25 home runs with a 930 OPS. Well, if he does that, they may think about bringing him back. But is your future catcher on that roster? Is Sebi Zavala, Carlos Perez, or even if you want to go deeper, Adam Hackenberg, your guy in the future? And if not, you probably need to look at catcher right in this offseason too. Scott Merkin does good work and writes for MLB.com covering the White Sox. who has been doing it for a long time. And, and I like talking to you, Scott, because I get I get a feeling for what's going on. Uh, you know, you get a chance to sit down and talk with a lot of these folks within the White Sox. Uh, they don't talk to everybody. And so the fact that we get a ve- uh, feeling from you about what's going on there behind the scenes, what they're thinking, and what they know they have to approach this offseason is, is a big help, I think, to all the fan base out there. Uh, good luck to your, your Michigan team, except for when they play the Illini. And thanks for jumping on the show. No problem. But they got to beat the Illini to get to where they want to go. So sorry about that. <laughs> but, but, but anytime. Glad to join you, Chris. Hailstorm Brewing Company is the official brewery of Sox in the Basement, located in Tinley Park at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. Their new brewer, Will Turner, highly acclaimed and is bringing decades of experience and excellence to Hailstorm, and it's stout season. I was looking at their menu, Ed. I'm getting out there this week. Uh, Night Moves is out. An imperial milk stout with raspberry, chocolate, vanilla, and a little lactose added in there. I mean, it's like having a meal. Like I, I like my I like my stout stouty. You know, and thick. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For some of us, every season is stout season. I get the weirdest looks in the middle of summer. It's 95 degrees, and I'm like, I'm drinking light beer. I'm just going to have a Guinness. I mean, they've got all these, like, award-winning beers. I mean, Prairie Madness is an American IPA, and it's great. Their triple IPA, Dominatrix, is one of my favorite beers on the entire South Side. And then... They have like some dessert ones, and that's what I like in a brewery. I get to go in a big beer hall. I get to see the the beer being made because you can see it there inside the, the place. They got a really cool bar that's set up in there. I could try a bunch of different kinds of things and have a good time, hang out with friends. There's live music on the weekends. Follow their Facebook page at Hailstorm Brewing Co. and see more at hailstormbrewing.com. Scott Merkin scares the hell out of me with the answer to that last question. 
because what it sounds like to me, and I, I'm not going to pick on Scott because I love him for coming on this show. We're able to glean so much of what is being thought about by White Sox management when we have him telling us about stuff that he's heard directly from guys like Rick Hahn. But what I hear in his answer is it's possible he's being told things like, well, you know, pandemic in 2020 and lockout in 2022 and injuries and all these excuses. He's not making them, but it feels like he's being told them or at least he's hearing whispers of them. And, you know, if we could just stay healthy, everything that we've done so far in this front office would have worked if it weren't been wouldn't have been for the manager and it wouldn't have been for the injuries. All the injury excuses aside for them to sit there and say, our talent is so good that if it wasn't for these outside factors, we would have won it all when every, you're right. I mean, just it's mind boggling to sit there and say that when we all watched on the field, what was going on. We've, we've all seen Yohan Moncada go from the top prospect in all of major league baseball to a guy that is struggling to hit 250. We've all, you know, we've watched Andrew Vaughn get better We've watched Gavin Sheets get marginally better, but we're watching Jose Abreu get old. We're watching Yasmani Grandal turn into an old catcher. Yasmani Grandal can say, I know what I'm going to do in the offseason with my workout routine, and so I, I know what I need to fix. There, but then you still have to find a way to do it and do it in the later part of your career, okay? Uh, Yoan Moncada could be disappointed in his in his season, but what has he shown me over the last couple of years that he's actually going to turn it around? I mean, you could say all the right things. Lucas Giolito can talk about how, you know, it's not about the stats and I just want to contribute. And then, you know, I'm going to turn around because, you know, here comes my free agent year. But all those things are just talk until you see it. And there's just too much baseball that has been played over the last more than a century that you can draw back on as a baseball fan to realize that just because a guy says, I know I got to get better and I'm going to do it, doesn't mean he actually gets better, especially when he's getting older, like in the case of Grandal. So, I mean, look, they're all going to say the best things, right? They're all going to get to spring training and tell you they're in the best shape of their life. They're, they're all going to get to a point and tell everybody in the media with a recorder, we know what we got to do. This team is ready to go. We're going to get out of the gate on fire. We've got a lot of talent here. But you know what? They're not confident enough in that to have Sox Fest and tell that to the fans. You know, they canceled that. So I, it's it's strange to me. It's strange that you're aware of that. You have enough self-awareness that you know that spewing that kind of stuff of, oh, we just have to stay healthy and these guys are going to come back in better shape and they know what they have to do to fix things and we have a new manager, so we don't need to make wholesale changes and we don't need to make any major moves. You you know that if you send it to a crowd, you get booed off the stage. That's why you're not having Socks Fest. Even knowing that, you're still standing in the mirror every day and convincing yourself, I'm a good GM. I built a great team. It's not my fault that COVID happened. It's not my fault there was a lockout. I mean, if everybody would have just stayed perfectly healthy and we had no injuries, everything would have happened. It was that old man in the dugout. Like, that's my fear, is that that's what's being said to the reflection in the mirror by Rick Hahn, Ken Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf, anybody else up there that's making a decision for this team. My question is, uh, when Scooby and the gang did finally pull off Tony's mask, was it old man Weathers underneath there? Or was it just Kenny Williams and he he messed it all up? Is that is that where we're going to find out too? Because it, it's got to be something, right? The thing that bothers me the most, Ed, is that I don't feel like they're aware of their own shortcomings, right? They're aware of Tony's shortcomings. They're aware of injuries. They're aware of extenuating circumstances that everybody else in baseball had to deal with. 
but they're not aware of their own shortcomings. They, 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 they had that line of, remember when Han said, when, when Reinsdorf won't come out and talk about why Rick Hahn still has a job because he won't get in front of the press at a press conference. So Rick Hahn gets to come out and explain to you that when he thinks he can't do it anymore, that he'll stop. Like, I mean, they, they there, there is a problem there. There's a real, that, that's why I don't have as much confidence as I want to have in the off season. Like what I want to see is I want to see some forward thinking. You have Lucas Giolito who's going to be making over $10 million in arbitration. You're, of course, going to offer him arbitration, but he's going to free agency next year. You heard Scott Merkin say it. He said it. Like the, the, the joke about maybe we can play one more year together because it, with, with Abreu, because he doesn't plan on being here after next year. If a team wants him and you're able to go out in the free agency and sign a couple of these pitchers to multiple-year deals, that would be forward-thinking to sit there and say, is there something where we would move on from this player instead of just basically letting him play, not knowing what he's going to be, and then losing him after the year's over? I mean, I'm not saying you get rid of him for prospects, but there are guys that could be moved on this team for players that could reshape your team and give you something different on the field. The idea that it seems like there's untouchable players on this team, that they, they, there's such a good feeling for a team that's only won one postseason game in, in the entire window. They, they, got, they got a great opinion of themselves. Uh, there, there's just not enough. There's not enough critical voices in the room. That's what concerns me after I hear that. And that's not on Merck. Merck's just reporting what he's getting from the team. That's not on him. We're lucky that he comes on and tells us that. But that's the problem. There's not enough critical voices in the actual building saying, wait a minute, we screwed this up or maybe we're not as good as we think we are. After a season like this, they seem way too confident in their own abilities over there. Well, and the other thing, too, is, is they continue to sell us on this is a young, improving team. When once again, there's only a handful of players that are under 26 years old on this team. It's an old team. It's a veteran team. Tim Anderson's going to be 30 years old. This is a veteran team. You're not going to see improvement from guys over 30. Like you said, a century of baseball, a century or more of baseball, even if you've only watched it for 10 years, you know guys don't radically improve in their 30s. I've watched enough baseball in my life to understand that Yasmani Grandal is not going to go back and be the Yasmani Grandal that you had at the beginning of this contract. It's not happening, okay? I've watched enough baseball in my life to see enough players like Yoan Moncada to know that Yoan Moncada's ceiling is probably hitting 250 and, and maybe 15 to 20 home runs. Pedro Grifo could talk about we want him to get 80 walks. Okay, we all have goals. I have a goal. My goal is to go out the, the next season in my 16-inch softball league and uh, hit four or five home runs. Just towering shots, right? And, and I, you know what I want to be is I want to be 25 again and be able to actually run instead of having sore knees the next day. But you know what? You get older and your skills decrease in everything they do. That's just that's what getting old is. And I've watched enough baseball to understand that problems just don't go away because you tell yourself, I'll do better next year, especially when we're looking at athletes. You may get one guy on this team that proves that wrong. But that will be the exception to the rule. And there's too many guys that you're expecting to have these big turnarounds. You're expecting, let, let's go down the list. You're expecting Grandal to get better, Mancata to get better, Giolito to get better, your whole bullpen to get better. And you, you've got all these guys. I, I'm only scratching the surface. Larry Garcia is not getting any better. And you still got him for two more years and $11 million. You got a lot of guys here that you're saying, well, next year they might get, they're going to turn it all around. We're going to work on their training. We're going to have Pedro Grafal sit down and have a heart-to-heart with him and communicate with him. And then uh, we're going to tell him some things we want him to do, like get more walks and hit more home runs. And they're just going to do it. Are you kidding me? 
Like, you might get, you might get one guy, one in that group that turns it around. Two would be a miracle. You're relying on like seven or eight of them to do that. That can't be what the plan is. It can't be. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.